I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm Dredge of the Fifth Element. Why highlight the Fifth Element hip hop? Just knowledge. And this is a nasty, covert, a hot girl edition of the show that gives you a reason to smile. Speaking <laughs> digits. So, so we're here for the vibes. It's coming home. Hi Ben, how's your week been? What this this week? Well, I got into Renaissance by Beyonce, and uh, oof, let me just say, man, got an album of the year competitor on our hands right now. This is a, I saw saw a few people tweeting out, "Wow, Beyonce dropped a really good album," and I'm like, "Wait, what? Wow? Are you? I don't understand. I mean, every album she's dropped in the last 15 years has been incredible." Um, it wasn't what I expected this record. It really wasn't. Uh, it's another dance album for the majority. Um, you know, there's a lot of obviously Afrobeat energy, but we also get some 80 synth wave, uh, not as dark as after hours, but also not quite as bright as, uh, maybe Lizzo's album was in that sense. I think the synths are wild. Alien Superstar could have been a Gary Newman track. Break My Soul, I thought is a really good song. I didn't care. You know, a lot of people didn't like that. It's just a banger. There's this huge 70s and 80s dance energy. It kind of moves us through the sounds that wouldn't be out of place on any period piece from that time. And everyone's doing it. The only reason it's disappointing is because everyone is kind of doing it now. Like Lizzo, Drake, Post Malone, The Weeknd, you know, all have done it with varying degrees of success. And I think the sad thing is that this is how pop music is. And I don't want to put Beyonce in that pop category, but I guess pop is becoming a malleable word these days. It doesn't necessarily mean Ariana Grande and Taylor Swift. It means that music that's popular now. It didn't used to mean that in the 90s and the 2000s. It meant, you know, Pink. It meant Britney Spears. It meant Christina Aguilera. Now it means whoever is making, like, the really popular music. Future is a pop artist at the moment. So, you know, I think that, um, you know, Beyonce is going to skate on all those people that I just mentioned because she's one of the strongest vocalists of all time. She's incredible. And uh, this is just, thing. I think lyrically it's a bit of a, it's a, well, it's a massive departure from Lemonade, obviously. It's, it's kind of like a blend of her self-titled album and maybe four. It's kind of like we're getting love songs with experience and understanding, but there's also a lot of fun and abandon, but then those are kind of tinged with knowledge and struggle. So I actually feel like, you know, if, if you feel like these lyrics are a little bit regressive and you feel she's kind of going back to her pre-2013 content, which was quite uh, love song centric at times, I don't think it's that, man. I think that she's dipping back into that bag, but she has had, what, 11 years of experience 11 years of things that she's gone through you know she's a mother now she her and jay-z went through the 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 infidelity scandal there's so many things that beyonce has gone through and she's bringing all of that energy to this album and she's still positive she's still uplifting she's still motivating she's still fun and um and that's just it's it's a triumph for the album it is it is, if we're going to talk about all the albums in this category that have dropped in the last two years, um, I'm putting After Hours at number one and I'm putting this one at number two, you know, and I'm not saying After Hours and this are the same, but reaching back into the 1980s for a sound and bringing it into the 2022, 
this is just this is powerful. It's a really powerful album. I really enjoyed it, uh, and I also listened to that Wiz Khalifa album, and I wish I hadn't because uh, I don't know what the hell. <laughs> It's bad, man. It's, it's bad. You know, I've spoken at length on this podcast about Wiz Khalifa's <laughs> total chaotic uh, sonic choices in the last three or four years. I said during his Juicy J review that it's almost like Wiz just rocks up to the studio. He has no idea what kind of song he's going to make, what kind of album he's going to make. And whoever the producer or the engineer is just said, yep, here's the beat and just go do your thing. And Wiz just walks in, does his thing and then leaves. And I don't think that's true. I really do think he's making these decisions independently. I think he wants to push himself as an artist. But the problem with this album is it's just reaching back into that pop rap bag that um, we all wish he'd left. You know, See You Again is, is Diamond. That's great. Uh, he, Snoop Dogg's obviously been a massive influence on Wiz Khalifa. And Snoop Dogg is the consummate pop rapper. I mean, when I say that, I mean he's the, the rapper that went into all the different bags and uh, all the different genres, and he he was incredible in them. But Wiz Khalifa doing a whole album like this is just like it's a massive no for me. I saw a lot of people really like it, and uh, big ups to you because this is not one I'm ever going to go back to. Um, it was a really really tough slog getting through it. So yeah, it's just two albums for me this week. Charlie, what about yourself? I'm surprised there were albums to even talk I about know. because. You know, it, nothing, nothing, nothing exists when Beyonce yeah, drops. Yeah, the queen, the queen drop. Um, but funny enough, I found a few. Um, I managed to find a few. Uh, Lava Larue, High Fidelity, Louis P. I like that. Um, yeah, that's a, not that's as, a good one. Uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. I love me some Lava Larue. Uh, been into her since uh, her EP Letra uh, from like 2018, and she's always just produced some really good stuff. Um, I prefer Butterfly compared to this. Um, that's but that's only partly because um, they just have two of the best fucking tracks um, in Angel and Magpie. Um, but this is good as well. There's some good stuff on here. Um, it's five tracks, 17 minutes. Uh, I especially love Motel and the title track uh, with Big Peak on the on the feature as well. Very nice. Um, but yeah, man, there's some good stuff all around. So it's you know, it's got like a like a she has that funk to it. Um, when she goes into a rapping bag, I'm just I'm I'm, I'm completely into it uh, fully. Just uh, more of that for me personally. But uh, she does she has some good vocals as well, and it's just a it's just a good vibe. She always just produces a good vibe um, in in her music. So shout out to her on that one. Um, I don't might be a pronoun thing. I'm not even sure actually. Now I'm saying that. Uh, anyway, uh, Joe Armand Jones and Marla uh, are way back. Um, so yeah, Joe Armand Jones kind of like a um, Producer got his own label, Aquary. Um, does a uh, mainly jazz, but um, never really shuns away from other things. Very experimental with his work. And uh, Marla, who I had to look up, um, is apparently just a complete legend in, in the in the British uh, bass music scene. Um, kind of like making dubstep before it was even called dubstep uh, back in the day in uh, the early two thousands. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, you know, it's kind of, this is not exactly dubstep in any fashion. Um, you know, it's got a bit of oomph to it, um, but not, ex- not in the, you know, pop dance way we're thinking of. Um, but there's some good beats to it, I think. Um, some really, it really is, I think, very consistent um, as a uh, five-track EP, 21 minutes. So, yeah, man, shout out to Drama Jones and uh, Mulder on that front. That's teamwork there. Uh, Jazz Spastics, uh, Into Mental, Into Mental, a weird name, but here we are. Um Really loved Camera Sound from last year. One of my favorite albums that year. Put it on my album list. Um, and uh, more of the same in some ways on this one. Less, I think, 
um, less, I think, sample heavy, let's say that, but more, uh, or, or just um, or making the samples the centerpiece of the track, basically, and it doesn't start off with, like, you know, some really uh, fun, like, TV samples that sounds like it's from the 60s or something. I'm just like, how did they get that? Um, but more, come, starts off kind of um, with a chill hop vibe in my, in my mind, but um, gets very, gets more upbeat. Um, as the album goes along, uh, 15 tracks, 35 minutes. It goes through like a dream. Uh, very replayable for sure. Um, and yeah, man, shout out to JS on that front. Um, always coming up with good stuff. Love their stuff. Love their shit. And uh, lastly, um, Beyonce invented transitions. Oh my god, <laughs> absolutely crazy. She invented dance music. I can't believe it. It's just, nah, Drake already I, did that. Drake did that a couple she weeks ago. She can't stop. She can't stop inventing, inventing <laughs> techniques. I can't believe it. It's, it's, I can't believe Beyonce fans have never ever d- discovered transitions until now, Amen. where a song, get this, bleeds into another. I, I just can't believe it. It's crazy. Uh, what can Beyonce not do? I mean, like she, she's, she's gonna take us. She's gonna colonize Mars. But anyway, jokes over. Renaissance. Um, it bangs. Um, I really, it's just, you know, for the gays, for the, for the, for the, for the, for the, for the party crew. Um, I, I if she's really about it though, um, she needs to drop a twelve to fifteen minute mix, uh, di- disco mix, yeah. twelve inch vinyl disco mix. on uh, Virgo's groove. That has to be done. Yeah. Like needs needs to be a twelve minute version for the DJs. Bristol Virgo's groove has to come out happen. in Bristol or Manchester, nowhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Only on rough rough trade exclusive <laughs> or warped or something like that. Warp record. <laughs> in it no, i mean yeah she's really about it that she do that but um, you know really good stuff um yeah i i i like cuff it that's a that's, an, that's a personal favorite uh, uh you know break muscles a you know just nice club banger um it gives me some of these tracks i forget which one specifically but some of them give me you know 90s house as well mm. um kind of like that thing going on as well i really like that really into that thick is just super sexy hella hella nice um yeah. And, uh, yeah, Pure Honey, uh, Summer Renaissance. I forgot what, I don't know, I can't put my finger on what the sample that was, but I know what it is. Like, um, I've, heard, I've heard it before, but, if so, but I, I have no idea what the name is. Um, but it's it's a very just, like, you know, top-tier, like, 80s track from back in the day. I forget that. I forget the track. But, yeah, um, Cuff It, Virgo's Groove, um, definitely my top two tracks, and uh, there's some good stuff around there as well. Alien Superstar, like you said. Uh, summer renaissance to cap it all off very nice um so yeah man you know it is what it is you know in the in the grander scheme of things um you know i, f- I find it obviously the beyonce stance can be very exaggerative and that's kind of what i was riffing on um but you know it's it's the fact that uh it's just like you said you know they were saying like this oh she she brought positivity back and i'm just like everyone's been bringing positivity back in this way yeah like, it's, it's not, just, not uncommon you know, it's not it's not I, I can't i can't like rest on people just saying shit like it's a good album it'll win album of the year at the grammys it's gonna win everything okay it is what it is and i'm fine with that it deserves it. it's a decent it's a decent project and you know it's got some bops on there there's no misses there's no skips let's just say that let's get that off the rip um but you know it's, 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 you know, Lizzo's done it, like you said, Leaper's done it, like, Weekend's done it, she's, she's done her own, her own form, and, um, you know, and, uh, I think she's managed to, I think she, I think lyrically, um, she managed to just, like, make it, uh, very pointed towards people that need that kind of thing, 
um, and need that affirmation, I guess. And to have it from somebody like Beyonce is obviously very large for some people. So, you know, it's not for, it's obviously not built for us. Um, but, you know, as we can enjoy it, there's people that probably had their lives changed by it. And that's, that is what it is. And uh, so, yeah, no discredit on that front. So shout out to Beyonce. And, uh, and uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I thought I had no sign else for this, but no. Uh, but, yeah, we'll jump in. So we get this episode, uh, Contemporary Cool, bringing it back, CC. Um, for those that haven't spun before, a Contemporary Cool. Uh, we pick four albums that have dropped in the past 10 years. Um, do we, are we, I, I, I said previously, like the first time we did it, we, we were like, uh, you know, cheat a bit and just go 2010 onwards. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how we should do it. <laughs> should we just like, is it 2012 now from from onwards? I don't know. You know what I was thinking? Was, but... No, I think 2010 is fine, but I was also thinking we could do another series at some point where we just do a random album from the 2000s and just say how crazy that is. So I think if we do that, then we have 2010s <laughs> onwards is, is fair. I think that that's, that's okay. I mean, that's still modern. That's still modern. Don't don't call me old, man. I mean, I mean, don't call me old. <laughs> I do know, and this is all you, bro. You like speaking, speaking, whatever you want to existence. But um, yeah, but we we and regardless of how we're gonna do it, um, of how we're doing it, uh, you know, contemporary cool, uh, two albums from twenty tens, basically, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, you know, we just, well, I mean, I feel like we have a um a similar uh through line uh for one of uh for two of ours well for one each um basically just women we both uh <laughs> really rate in uh in our own ways and uh it was interesting i guess uh i, I mean i knew my reason for doing so but um is it uh i'd like to know the reason why you pick yours but um i mean you can start there if you want um this is our i think volume eight by the way so yeah Wait, we can jump in if you want. Start, start with which one? Oh gosh, I don't know. <laughs> we can start with uh, ladies first, man. We can start with Rico for sure. Um, Let's go. So I'm talking about Rico, nasty, nasty. Uh, now, nasty was the tape that ended one phase of Rico's career and began the current one. A phase that I feel, even though it's four years in, is still in its infinite infancy. Sorry, but it um it gains momentum with every every release and. This was her first ever release on a major major label. She was snapped up by Atlantic after Sugar Trap 2, which came out on her own label, Sugar Trap. Um, and allegedly, her most recent project, I saw the Fantana review, uh, the Las Ruinas, apparently that came out on Sugar Trap and not Atlantic, but I, I don't think that that's true. I think it probably came out on Atlantic as well. But anyway, I could be wrong on that. But, um, you know, in, in 2018, like, this was this was the, the thing for Rico Nasty. Like, she was playing Rolling Loud, South by Southwest. In 2019, she had her biggest touring year. She went Day in Vegas, Rolling Loud, Pitchfork Music Festival, Afropunk, Paris, Coachella. Then she did five South by Southwest performances. Now, this was just, like, the, the start. You know, she was doing interviews with Highest Nobody. She did a Day in the Life with Fader. In an interview with Heist and Biety, they actually called Nasty an album, and she pushed back against that, calling it a mixtape, and she said, it's just a mixtape. Uh, the word album, I'm not ready for that. I'm a bit nervous. 
So it wasn't a quick glow up. That's what I want to focus on here with Rico because this was her sixth mixtape in 2018. She'd been dropping music steadily since 2014 when she was just 17 years old. She had a track with Lil Yachty in 2016 on the Hey Arnold remix. Uh, Shy Glizzy dropped on a track. She'd done a couple of big features before Nasty, but her, her vision was sky high. And that's why I want to talk about this record because I feel like this is when it came together. She coined the term Sugar Trap to describe the type of music she was making. Now, Wikipedia describes it as bubbly, upbeat trap, but it is not that. I don't know where they got that from. She told Noisy this in 2017. She said, It's like when you have a really, really bad life and shit good starts happening to you and you don't know how to adapt to the good shit. You're just so stuck in being in the hood, you don't even know how to control yourself. You're trapped in the sugar, which is way deeper than Wikipedia just being like, Yes, bubbly, upbeat trap. Like... And anyone who's listened to Rico Nasty knows that she's not making that kind of music. She does occasionally. She'll she'll pop into that, but that's not her kind of that's not her vibe. So Atlantic signed an artist who was fully formed, as major labels do these days, of course. She already had a huge social media following and had begun to take her music seriously. She had her own record label, she was playing her own shows. She was a fully fledged independent artist. But she was one of the most adaptable and diverse new artists being sucked into the major label system. Also one of the most resilient and lyrically devastating. Now during an interview with High Snobiety, Rico explained that her mum was not impressed with her plan to become a female rapper and cautioned her against it and urged her to seek out another career. And Rico mused it was because of the stereotype about female MCs in the industry. She actually explicitly said, you're fucking sucking showing something. I'm a nun, I don't even rap about it. I don't know what that life is like. Now in the Pitchfork review for Nasty, Pitchfork wrote this, they said, and I, I thought this was interesting. Rico's songs are often about proximity. This can be literal, people invading her space, guys attempting and usually failing to get at her, or figurative, window shoppers watching her po- pockets, the widening gap between her and her competitors. A song like Trust Issues makes apparent her desire to keep people at arm's length. If you're looking for me, I'd be everywhere you can't go. She later adds, I got trust issues, I don't get no, got nobody too close. So Rico's desire for space comes from her backstory that is tinged with tragedy and it really comes forth on this record. In a 2017 article with Noisy, she explains that the difficulty of her teenage years, she said, "Um, my child's father had died and I didn't know I was pregnant. I was sad about losing my boyfriend, so I wasn't going to school, I wasn't doing shit, just depressed as fuck, and I damn near didn't graduate, I was trapped. So nasty is Rico assaulting anyone who would dare to question her. It's the ultimate show of strength, that overwhelming force to protect her against the very things her mum was afraid of, the things that had already happened to Rico in her life, the things that Rico steers well clear of. There are no male versus female rap arguments when it comes to Rico nasty because she sets herself aside from that immediately. Um, on on the opening track, she just fucking scorches, man. She says, sweet like a Pop-Tart, don't take it to the heart. Play it cute, that's smart. I don't need your chart. I don't need your part. I just need to smoke. Uh, Rico, calm down. Bitch, I'm charged up. Bitches want a beef, get you burnt up. I'm the best, bar none. And I'm screaming, fuck Trump. Black girl, stand up. Bitch, I'm nasty. I don't give a fuck. Like, what is classy? Like, you know, it's just this, like, vibe. It's just... Bang, 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 bang. He's getting smashed in the face. And this goes through the whole the whole project. It's fucking wild. And I think that, that Lil Yachty slash SoundCloud influence is really potent on a track like Ice Cream with those video game synths and that energy and her adaptability to go from something slightly close to cute on Ice Cream to fully defensive and imposing on the next track, uh, Aurea, is... Oreo, sorry, Aurea. 
Oreo. Oreo is what makes, I think it's Oreo anyway. I don't know. I didn't get the track list up. Um, typos, Oreo. man. If you follow me on socials, you know. There's many, many typos, many, many typos. Um, but look, I think this is what makes Rico fucking brilliant. The triumph of nasty is how closely I think it resembles real life human behavior because we're all vibrantly aware of the divide on social media. You know, you're either for something or you're against it. You either did it or you didn't. You're either pro this or you're con this. It's part of what Kendrick misguidedly called cancel culture on Mr. Morale. It's not cancel culture, it's just combative. But on Nasty, Rico debuted a vibe that she's been slowly developing on every project since. And you immediately think this person is just as divisive and combative as those who tell you you're slandering an artist because you say you don't like one of their songs. But the way that she was treated on that Playboy Cardi tour and her response to that had me listening to this project differently than I would have. It had me actually reading those pitchfork words about distance and proximity with fascination. And it's why comparisons to Playboy Cardi or Travis Scott are entirely false. Rico isn't distant and combative to cultivate a superficial image for legions of fans to buy into. You know, when Sean C did his video on the Astrofest disaster, he commented that Travis was trying to humanize himself and how jarring that was because he'd actively done the opposite his whole career in order to kind of feed into this superhero myth. And Playboy Cardi does it too a little bit. But Rico's nothing like that. You know, on Nasty, the song switches are so violent at times, they're so raw, they just can't be fabrications. And I think that that's the triumph for this album, you know, it's it's authenticity. And rather than seeing Nasty as another entry into this kind of rager, you know, this, this, this whatever the Playboy Cardi thing he's got going on at the moment, uh, I want you to think it more as someone defending themselves with overwhelming force. Uh, I remember when we, and, and I'll end on this, I remember when we learned how to be lifesavers in high school, we uh, did our lifesaving ticket. And the very first thing they teach us is a defensive position. So when you're approaching someone who is drowning, you lie on your back with your feet out in front of you and you say to them very clearly, I'm here to save you, but you must do as I say. If you try and grab me, then I'm gonna kick you and swim away. Because when people are drowning, they're gonna do anything to stay alive. They're gonna see you as their life jacket. They're gonna grab you and pull you under in order to keep themselves safe. So they actually teach us the very first thing you do if someone tries to do that is you kick them in the face and then you swim away from them. And then you come back to them afterwards and say, look, I'll do it again. I'll kick you in the face again unless you let me help you. And it's this entering a potential hostile scenario, you need to show a show of force. You know, you need to know the other, per- the, the other person knows that you're willing to hurt them and leave them drown if they try to drown you with them. Now, Rico did the same thing on Nasty. You know, she came in, it's a major label debut. She came in and she kicked the whole fucking industry in the face. And, you know, after all that bullshit on the Playboy Cardi tour, you might think that this is all just a fabrication and I'm just reaching for this, but you saw exactly what happened to her on that tour. You saw exactly what happened to her on social media afterwards. That's why Rico needed to do this shit. That's why she still does. And that makes me really sad that we're in 2022 and she's still dealing with the shit that she was preparing herself for in 2018, but it's supremely forward thinking of her. It was very, very, uh, you know, very well thought out of her. She she predicted it well, and that sucks that she was right, but she was right, and that's why I think Nasty is, is a great fucking project. So, so obvious answer aside, which is you know misogyny, misogyny and all that. Why do you think that uh, people? come for Rico so much 
I think it's the same reason people come for a lot of people on social media. She is opinionated. She has strong opinions and she's not afraid to express them. And um, Mm. she gets into it with people and she pisses people off. And I don't think that's a bad thing at all. But unfortunately, there's no such thing as nuanced discourse on social media. And I think what happens under these circumstances is... You know, you're you're coming in trying to have a nuanced discussion and you just keep getting attacked and attacked and attacked to the point where you're like, you know what, fuck this. I'm just going to attack all these people back. And now all of a sudden you're part of it. You're part of this combative thing. And these people are happy in that. That's, that's their home. That's where they live. They love being combative. So I think that's a part of it. But as you said at the start, is not the major part. Misogyny is the problem. I mean, it's just like little 15-year-old rap dweebs who are scared of women and they just attack them for no fucking reason. And I think that's part of it as well. Um, in in her proximity towards something, you know, uh, in, you can class as an era in SoundCloud rap where same those same 15-year-old boys were loving Trippy Reds were loving NexXX, mm. but they didn't know what to do with Rico Nasty. Yeah. And I feel like that's a that was probably a, a flashpoint for her, for being in that kind of community around those artists and, you know, meeting Kenny Beats, who does an amazing job on this, uh, on in helping this record be what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just, <laughs> you, you come into, you come into a community and they're not people like you um and yeah it's it's i i do wonder what her fan base is um not i don't mean that cynically i just wonder what it is um because clearly there are some there's some people that just don't want her in the category that she initially came into and as you know most likely uh, judging by how you talked about um her recent album the other week has firmly come yeah, out of that. Um, it's the same. No, it's, it's the same. And I, I think you make a really good. Okay. I think you make a great point. I meant just community-wise, not music-wise. No, but, but I think you make an incredible point. Um, like, what is her fan yeah, base? Because okay. no, because she doesn't chart well, right? And you're you're making a great point okay. about SoundCloud and who is her audience? Like, those SoundCloud kids were just like young boys, teenage boys, right? So teenage boys aren't going to be listening to a female rapper. We know that. We know that they just, it triggers them. It it triggers them on a deep level for some reason. I'm not sure why. You make a really good point. Who is her audience exactly? And that's not a criticism of Rico Nasty in the slightest. That's that's an indictment on on just what's going on in hip hop right now with men versus women. That's a that's a really good point. I'll take it. Um, not my, you know, <laughs> not one. I was just like, I'm gonna bang him with this one. Yeah. But yeah, no, fair enough. I'll take it. on that. I'll take that fully. Um, but yeah, I'm spitting apparently. Um, so but yeah, onto the album itself. Um, I do find it. See, this is a thing where like I, uh, I don't listen to it regularly as much as you. Um, so whenever I do. It's always a rediscovery for me in some ways where I'm just trying to like figure out because um, the sugar, uh, the sugar trap thing, I just I, I don't get. And I'm wondering if that was just I mean, it was it was in response to it was mentioned during, I think, this particular album as well. So I guess it applies. But I just I, I don't know if it's me just um, not getting it or me just completely preferring the uh the punk you know 
punk metal uh, ends of the of her spectrum that she goes into. For a start, for a track like Rage, for example, which is probably my favorite track on here, like she when she's in that metal bag, that you know just punk bag is crazy. Um, I feel like she just needs to go full Ice T and just have a metal album. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fire. <laughs> I would just fucking love it. That'd be crazy. That was crazy. Just like the visuals would be crazy. It'll be heat. Like I, literally. Um, as a side note, literally last night I went to, um, I went to a a bar, um, in town, and it's basically you know it's kind of known for <coughs> not people like me. Um, you know they're playing like rock shit and all that kind of stuff, right? And my boy, who's um, you know, full on metalhead, basically, um, there's some there's like nights there, like DJ wise, and just like you know plays rock tracks, metal tracks, whatever. And they had a band there as well. They were doing like um, you know just the, the the hits, basically, of just um, you know that era. And it was interesting because I was there, and you know while that's not my steez at all, um, it's it's always interesting. Um, listening to that kind of shit live and actually just realizing that oh well i'm bopping my head to this in the same way i bop my head to like ninth wonder or whatever it's interesting and um it always for stuff for people like rico nasty i feel is always refreshing to have in the palette where in the musical palette where she's not um doing what most people are doing i would say um especially especially on the female side of things where i don't i can't really you know obviously she's influenced um, a couple of people um and is influenced by the likes of you know avril lavigne etc and i i assume that kind of era as well that um that, that made the 2000s fucking weird as it was um but you know uh she has this variety i think um and it comes out especially in this um album for better or worse um i guess in this album particularly for me um but it is nice and refreshing to have someone that comes at it at a different a different angle and um you know energy of course and the voice as well um in the, in the many inflections she has of which I much prefer the aggro, just super aggressive, flat, slit your throat kind of shit. Um, I'm here for that. I'm here for that aggro shit. Um, but, you know, she does do, she does have variety as well as, even though she, I feel she <clears throat> upholds the punk aesthetic more than, uh, more than her music uh, lends to. Oh, she got um, everything, but... man. She can sing, she can rap, yeah. she can rap over anything. She's got yeah, yeah. like eight bit synths on here. She's got like full wall of noise. Mm-hmm. Like she, you're right, man. She she got it all. She's definitely got it all. Yeah, she has a variety to her where you know on the face I feel she gives off one kind of gives off one trick pony vibes just visually, but when you actually listen to the music, there's actually variety there, and that's always it's surprising and like I said, refreshing to listen to. So yeah. Ciao Rico. Ciao Rico Nasty. From one woman to another. And uh, it's the it's the woman that made me feel like a bad person. Hey. And um, <laughs> I wanted to bring through um, uh, Tina Snow since we mentioned her last week. Um, and while this wasn't her uh, first EP by any means, I think it's her second. Um, this is the first one under the 1501, which I do wonder how they feel about this now, just in hindsight with, you know, since 
I think it was like 2019 when she dipped off it, when she dipped off them because they were like blocking off her tunes. And then she helped yeah, to Rock Nation. I do wonder, nasty. like, just do do they feel like just stupid for that? Cause they should. It was even it was even then, bro. Even then, I remember this. I didn't listen to Tina Snow until Fever, um, but I did see Tina Snow just as an out, just as a you know, in, uh, as a artwork, just like there. And I heard like um, I think it was a uh, uh, maybe big old freak. I heard that one time, and. It was interesting thinking thinking back now to listening to this again because um, this was you know four years ago now so it's a lot of time and um, you know she dropped an album obviously in 2020 and um, another e- well, mixtape so to speak um, last year as well and probably going to come back with something this year as well um, and listening to this is kind of interesting because I always had this inkling that even then you saw it. Even then, you saw just how uh, next next up she is. Just the ne- just the next she's next up kind of essence that she had in this particular project in Tina Snow. Listening to something like Freak Nasty and remembering her perform that at Glastonbury was crazy because I, I feel like she has. Always had um she I feel like she's in sports parlance she has the she has a high floor a high floor by that I mean um you know and how people um scout types kind of uh, uh uh tally up players so to speak or you know whatever talent they have in certain sports they they other say they talk about it in floors and ceilings so if they have a low floor that means like you know at lowest air whatever but they have a high ceiling so it might be a risk to take because they have a low floor but they have a highest of ceilings they might be great they might not be but with her she has a low floor by that i mean her mid stuff and i'll say you know cognac queen on here i feel it's probably the weakest track out of it um it's still fine right it's all right but that's the low floor and be- and having that being the low floor is crazy because cause then you have you know, freak nasty, and then never and cocky AF, big old freak. It's still stuff that she can still play to, uh, still play now. Um, while you know, some artists can't say that. Some artists, and for 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 different reasons, I feel you know, for someone like um, uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna default for someone like Sims, for example. While she has great EPs, she's not going to play those EPs at shows anymore. She doesn't. She barely. She barely plays stuff from Stillness in Wonderland now. Like she's that. She's 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 evolved that much of an artist that she doesn't even play stuff from Stillness in Wonderland anymore. She does mainly Simbi and Grey Area. Um, she never plays something from the Drop series apart from what's on Drop Six, um, which is obviously recent. But what Megan can do, and I don't know if this is rare or not. Feel free to add your point, uh, add your uh, two cents on that, Ben. But for for Megan, she can do the whole catalog, and it's all so consistently decent, and all consistently on this not well, yeah, consistently on the same level in terms of just quality and getting the job done for what it is, which is shaking your ass and shit like that, um, and getting lit and riding the boat. She fucking succeeds in that, and she has succeeded in that for four years. And while some people can say, I remember when people were talking about sugar, that 
you know, oh, she's she's trying to do something different. Um, you know, stuff like um, bitch. But even with that, I feel I feel like it's still in her bag, right? Plan B that came out recently. Um, that give that gave off, you know, you know, Lil Kim, Foxy Brown era kind of essence there. You know, that's different, but it's still with that Megan Flair. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think I talked about the EP more <laughs> more than just Megan in general, but I guess I wanted to have that in the uh, as a benchmark. Well, as a what's the word? As a foundation, I guess, for the overall point what I wanted to make is just that having her as an artist in this um, in this space is so valuable to someone like me because uh, I can see differences uh, to her and others, and just even in 2018 when this initially dropped, like I said, I didn't spin it until Fever came out. Um, so I stayed sleep until fever and even with that until then four years ago I was probably in a different space where I couldn't imagine not enjoying something like this but actually being just being on my ones listening to it <laughs> whatever you know what I mean I'm still not confident to go to a making show on my ones um, I'd need someone else uh, but that's just me uh, but you know regardless of that she's just um that low floor and just seeing it in this EP is just crazy to think about of having just consistently good work throughout. And, you know, you don't have to creatively um, uh, invent, reinvent yourself in how I said Simbi did um, with every album. You don't. But if you're just consistent with it, then shit, man, you've got, she's already got a half decent catalog already. And it's only been like four, five or six years. So it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, look, Fever, Fever's the genesis of the triggered beta males who, you know, melted into a pool of inadequacy <laughs> when uh, when WAP dropped in 2020. And look, it came, and I think it's a very important album because it came at the end of a decade that promised so much for female MCs but delivered so little in the way of industry support and growth. You know, in the end, it was two artists who did all the heavy lifting themselves uh, at the end of the decade. It was Megan and Cardi. And, uh, you know, they broke down those commercial walls and finally laid to rest that one female MC narrative that had persisted since probably the Roxanne Wars in the 80s. Uh, that's another thing that I never said on this pod, but has occurred to me multiple times. You know, we know how label constructed that became with all those female MCs taking shots at Shantae. I do wonder if major labels, when they infected hip-hop in the early 90s, just went back to what works. That's what they do, right? They just go back, this worked before, let's do it again. You know, Queen Latifah, Salt and Pepper, MC Light, they were starting to drop off a little bit uh, in the early 90s. And then we got to Brat, uh, who came forth as the truly, the first truly label-created MC. We know that from Jermaine Dupree trying to market her as the female Snoop Dogg. And from that moment on, women were pitted against each other as rappers. And, you know, Cardi B couldn't escape it. But I feel like Megan has. I really do. Uh, unless you count Tory Lanez as a female MC, which I think would be giving him too much credit. Uh, but look, man... I think Fever is, is vibrant, it's powerful. Megan is imperious. She owns every single inch of her sexuality on this record. She flaunts it, she enjoys it, she embraces it. But not only that, she's skating as a rapper on here. You know, men have tried and tried to criticize her MCing abilities, but there's no angle that makes you sound anything other than butthurt that a, there's a woman who is just fucking skating on here. Like, it's incredible, man. You know, it's just one, it's unbelievable. And I'll admit that 
part of the joy in listening to Megan is knowing that she's so impervious to these criticisms of female MCs because I know they're going to come. And I know that she is just the antithesis of them. There's no, there's nothing you can say against her. Uh, she's engrossing. She drags you into the narratives on this record. She holds your attention the entire way through. Um, it's always exciting to hear what she's going to say next. And I think you're 100% right. I think she has a catalog that is pretty close to unmatched at the moment for her level of like how long she's been in the game. I mean, I can't think of many songs if I was at a Megan show that I'd be disappointed to hear. You know, I, I can't think of many times when I'd be at a Megan show being like, oh, I kind of hope we don't get that that lull in the middle that, you know, you go to shows, there's always that lull when everyone goes and gets their drinks and everyone goes to the bathroom. And at rock shows, it's always when they pull out the acoustic guitar and they're like, we're just gonna, we're just gonna play a couple of numbers from the new album and everyone just runs to the exit like, fuck man, let's just go get, get a drink now. But I don't see any of that with Megan. It's just all fucking bangers. And uh, I, I'm genuinely, I'm always excited to hear what she has to say next. I'm always excited. Even that, um, that tape that she dropped, was it last year? And it had like 20 songs on it, 22 songs, and they're all freestyles. Bro, even that was good. Even that was exciting. Even that was interesting. It was engrossing the whole way through. There were bangers on there. They were Lucy's, man. They were throwaways. Like this, as you said, is a high floor. This person is highly, highly proficient at rapping. And uh, yeah, man, this, this is a great project. Um, I, my, my journey with, with Megan is not like, I didn't really get into her until probably that shit with the label when the label dispute happened and, you know, people were criticizing her for not reading a contract. And so that immediately said to me, I need to listen to this person because, you know, anytime anyone's criticizing anyone for not reading a contract, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to be very tapped in to see what's going on with them. But, um, no, nah, man, I, I, I love this. I rate this this record really highly. And uh, shout out Megan Thee Stallion for sure. Good pick. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, mate. Covert Coop. I've got to make shit picks. Covert Coop. Yes. So why, why Ben, would you pick uh, Covert Coop? Well, firstly, I actually picked it before I knew that uh, Rock Marciano and Alchemist were dropping a tape uh, in August sometime. It's August in Australia right now, by the way. It's August right now. It's August one. But uh, look, I actually think first day of the month. I actually think Covert Coop is one of the most important hip hop projects to drop in the last twenty years because, firstly, it is a commercial mixtape with original Bold. music. You know, although they did obviously drop the record for free as a digital download, but it was a commercial mixtape with original music. Um, which is, obviously we know what happened in the mid 2010s with Drake and if you're reading this too late, what a time to be alive and then how the commercial mixtape is now. You go on an artist Wikipedia page and you're just like, wait, what? These are all mixtapes? Like this doesn't make sense. I was actually doing a statistic for um, CMG, the label, and I was looking at how often they drop, like how regularly they drop studio albums. They barely drop studio albums. They're all mixtapes, you know, but they're commercial mixtapes. So... That's a huge part of the story, but I want to go back a little bit in time because two months after this project dropped, Currency released his very first major label album, which was Weekend at Bernie's. Now, this was a period of Currency's career that set up his entire content arc for the next decade of his life, as evidenced by every single feature and song he appears on recently. You know, it's Cars, Money, and Weed. And I've heard him speak about this major label thing a few times uh, the most potent time was during his Rap Radar interview where he said that the fans he gained during his major label foray 
were very, very essential. So he did two albums on this major label and then he dipped and the timing was immaculate. And he said this to GQ, this is how it started. I went over the, and, and this is about Covert Coop. I went over to the studio to meet my man Alchemist to get the line on that Huxtable. That's the medical weed. I call it Huxtable. And we were like, yo, we should do one track just to fuck everybody up so they know we were smoking and chilling. And he was like, that was really tight. Let's do a few more. And then once you got three records, you pretty much got 10, which is not true. I don't know how that's true, but it is true for Alchemist and Currency, apparently. In an interview with uh, Hot New Hip Hop promoting Continuance, which came out, I think, last year or early this year, um, Currency said, Covert Coop, I was moving around after Pilot Talk 2. Record labels were trying to get me to do shit. I was in the process of buying a Ferrari. Shit was going down. I didn't have a steady girl at the time just living, and it was in there. So this project was essential oh, for... Not a steady girl. Oh, no. Say sorry? Did you say steady girl? Yeah, he didn't have a steady girl at the time. Oh, no. Oh. Amen. Fuck. I understand Pete. it. I understand it. Unfortunate. So this, oh, I think this project oh, was, was really essential for both artists. Um, currency, <laughs> currency came up. Currency came up with the name Spitter, and he blew up rapping next to Lil Wayne, literally during Lil Wayne's best period, you know, 2006 to 2009. And he had yet to discern himself with a classic project. And Alchemist was in a kind of a weird place in his career. You know, he was being totally underutilized and in my view disrespected by being relegated to tour dj for eminem right this was look alchemist been producing since the early 90s this was not new i mean he got signed before dilated peoples got signed he was hanging out with cypress hill back in the day like you know he he was like you know 15 20 years into his career and eminem was like hey do you want to be my tour dj like that was total i think that's not cool at all and so you know, this was just his fifth full-length collaborative project coming off the back of Return of the Mac with Prodigy, Rest in Peace. He did the antidote with uh, Face Sean in 2009. And then he did Sawblade EP and Oh No and Gutter Water with... Um, and Oh No with Gutter Water, sorry. And so Currency hadn't yet done what Madlib did with MF Doom or Kanye with Common or Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg did with Biggie. He hadn't trans... Sorry, when I say that, I mean Alchemist hadn't done that yet. So you think about where Alchemist was in his career. You think about what Kanye did. Like, it's the 15th anniversary of Finding Forever today, for example. That was Common's first number one album. That was... F- oh, Ben's favourite. That was 15... No, Universe Mind Control is better. But <laughs> it was... No, look, look, look. That was 15 years... It'll take. 15 years since Common's debut album, he had his first number one. And that was the second project that Kanye West fully produced, apart from Dilla. Dilla got two beats. Dilla just two beats on that one. Just the two. Thanks. Thanks, Dilla. Like, that's a crazy project. But Dr. Dre had done it with um, with Snoop Dogg and Eminem. Diddy had done it with Biggie. You know, MF Doom, uh, Madlib had done it with MF Doom. Like, these, these, like, super producers had come in and they transformed someone's career. And that's exactly what Alchemist did for Currency on this record because it's the perfect shot in the arm for Currency. It's his first classic project. Never again would he need to justify his skills as an MC. Never again would he need to prove himself over diverse production. Just as important was Covert Coop's influence on the growing trend of rappers releasing mixtapes that were far more than spitting over a bunch of stolen beats. And we spoke about that earlier. Like, that's just, like, insane. It was such an important record. And, you know, this was just, like... It, it obviously helps that Covert Coop is, is fucking immaculate. 
it is absolutely immaculate. You know, the production on here calls right back to Mad Villainy, to Doom's own work as a producer, but it adds flares of Dilla to it. Um, Alchemist hadn't become a star in his own right yet. Nowadays, we see him next to Mad Lib and Kanye and Metro and Mike Will and Hit Boy. You literally put him up against any producer, he's going to hold his own. Covert Coop was a huge part of this. I remember back in the day, like, everyone was like, yeah, Alchemist is good. Alchemist is good. He's a good producer. Now, if you were to say Alchemist is a good producer, you got to deactivate your account. That's game over for you. Alchemist is one of the greatest producers. He's one of the most consistent producers every single year. I mean, we even had that conversation a couple of weeks ago. We're like, it has to be Alchemist for producer of the year by default because he's just on everything. He's in everything. He just keeps dropping quality content. And this goes all the way back to Covert Coop, man. Like, you know, a huge part of that also was the sequencing of the album, the managing of the mood, the way the beat drops on the type with Prodigy, the dark energy of Scottie Pippins with Freddie Gibbs, that slow 70s energy of 007, that anthemic epicness of Full Metal with that incredible sample, and then Currency just laying lyrical waste. Like, you, you didn't know he could rap like this. I mean, I heard him rap next to Lil Wayne for years. I didn't know he could rap like this. His cadences are so diverse. He underpins every flow with his own flair and appeal. It's fucking perfect, man. It's He's experimenting from a position of supreme strength. And, you know, this project will always be a classic. It is It is a classic. Everyone, I think, would agree that this is a classic record. And it's, it's a powerful album. And if we're saying that, and that's what I mean, like if we're saying that Alchemist is produced of the year 2022, we have to say that this is one of the most important albums in 2022. Came out in 2011. Uh, okay, reach, but fine. I get, I get you. Yeah, you see, you um, see the energy. No, I, don't. <laughs> um, I feel like this is a classic by context. Um, Not by music, because of course. Okay, okay right. It's, it's good. Yes, it's good. Okay. It's a good project. I'm just saying. Okay. Currently, has 12 million projects. Like you know, it's <laughs> hard to. At some point, it's going to be hard to pierce through a lot of things and go like, this is on this, this is better than this, right? Currency's decent most of the time, right? He, he hardly misses, right? Um, but it doesn't mean he hasn't. I'm just saying. And Alchemist is a very, very satisfactory producer, I must say. <laughs> I try to find the most British word possible to give it. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, so I feel like this is a classic by context. And by, by that, I just mean... In the story you've told here, and in the story you've weaved here, the narrative you've given here, it is very interesting because it feels like a flashpoint for both people involved. Um, now you're t- and and currency, honestly, to me, um, listening to him on this on Cover Coup, and listening to something like uh, 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 I forgot that I can't even remember a fucking project. Got so many, but like a, a more a more recent project, right? Um, he he comes off much, and I don't mean this in detriment, but he comes off much hungry in in Kovac. He does. Um, yeah, he does. He does. He he comes off just really like he's t- he's talking about similar things, but he just sounds much more chilled. He sounds so much more relaxed. Um, in the booth, like you you could just you can see it. You can see him just like sitting on a chair, blunt in hand drink on a stool next to him or something and he's just and he's just vibing right he's just talking about cars that's that's more recent currency he comes off as this you know kind of like um kind of like this debonair kind of uh essence towards him wearing like something wearing something silky like while rapping 
it kind of has a decadence to it when he's t- when he's rapping now. Back then, it's similar. This is similar in content, but the but the, the the delivery just comes off so much more hungrier. Especially with the one of Freddie Gibbs. Oh. Actually, I think that's a good compare. I think that's a good track to pick as just to pick apart because I'm not. A f- I'm not excuse me. I'm not the biggest fan of Freddie Gibbs, but the the chemistry. Excuse me. The chemistry that they both have on this track is very interesting. Um, they both just sound really, really hungry. And Freddie Gibbs, for all of my not intuness, am I? Uh, 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 he he gives me. Um, that's not a, that's not a phrase at all. But you get what I mean. Um, he always comes off hungry. And the re- the, inter- the interesting thing with that is currency having the same having the same bite towards it next to someone like Freddie Gibbs, who we know is a hungry dude constantly 24-7. <clears throat> so it's interesting thinking about that. Actually, Fetty is a good shout um, as a comparison. I was trying to think of a project, a more recent project. But yeah, Fetty is actually a good pick because obviously that's all three of them right there in several tracks. And Currency is more chilled on that one, I feel. I haven't listened to it in a minute, but that's why, that's why I usually glean from it. You're 100% um, right. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I feel in context, especially how interesting this album is, because you have to. It it, it it adds much more to it. Um, some some albums just some albums, some mixtapes, whatever. Some projects just do that. Where if you know the story behind it and you know the artists, um, and where they were at at that point, it comes off so much more fruitful. And from you telling that story, makes this for me come off much more fruitfully. Um, whereas before I was just thinking um, Alchemist is on it, Currency's on it, it's a decent it's a decent mixtape, but the story behind it makes Kova Koo what it is, um, for me personally. So it's interesting how it's it's an interesting pick um on your part and uh, good storytelling as well, because um I didn't know it fully uh, before you told it, so with that context, I it, it does add much more to this, uh, to this uh, to this project for me. That's cool. Yeah, look, yeah, I agree with you fully. Um, just to end on that, I think you're 100 percent right. I've listened to not every currency project, but I've listened to a lot of currency, and this was like the recent Jet Life, like chill. Yes, yeah, <laughs> super chill. I mean, he's been chill for <laughs> super many chill. many years now. You know, and this was this mm-hmm. was back in the day currency this was hungry this was like you know yeah you gotta eat what you kill currency like yeah man and, mm. and it's it's good to and hear usually it. that's to a detriment usually that's to a detriment in it Can it's be. like sometimes when you listen to an artist like, oh you've gone soft it's like no it's not in this case especially it's not that it's not that he's chill he's chilled he's much more comfortable and he's clearly saying that uh, for his for his um uh for his performance on records and just in general, it just seems like he's much more comfortable, um and much and keeping that consistency as well of uh, you know on top of that, you know deaf taxes and currency dropping, um as a uh, ongoing ongoing quote that we have on this show, um but yeah you know still he's not the the tools haven't sh- haven't haven't blunted in any way they're still sharp but he's just cutting much more slower but it's still accurate regardless yeah, yeah. no he's i agree a ginsu. he's a ginsu knife yeah very true he's a, he's a japanese knife um and um actually it's kind of a in context i feel like um that's kind of the reason why i picked uh, my second project so 
Um, Koji Radical's Reason to Smile uh, came out a few months ago, so it's very recent, very contemporary. Um, Racy got nominated um, on the shortlist uh, for the Mercury Prize this year. Um, so shout out to Koji Radical on that. Congratulations. Um, along with the likes of uh, Joy Crooks' Skin. And obviously the one that's going to win it, Lil Sims, uh, Simbi as well. Um, and, and Wet Leg as well. Shout out to Ben. Hey! That's the only reason, on the I, that's the, that's long, the only reason I know who they are. Long, on the chaise long, all day long, on the chaise long. <laughs> that's the only reason I know who they are. I just saw it. I was just like, oh, Ben talked about it. <laughs> it's Wet Leg. What a name for it. What a name for Wet Leg. Um, yeah. Hilarious name. But um, yeah, memorable if anything. Um, but the reason why I picked this album is... Um, also in context um because i wanted to use it as kind of just a another um let's be honest a soliloquy for me to talk about the landscape of british music especially black british music at this time um where i've talked about uk jazz before and i you know most more recently in the past uh in a couple of weeks ago I forgot why we were talking about it. We were talking about jazz, but yeah, oh yeah, it was to do with Kendrick, I think. But anyway, um, you know, talks about that landscape and how fruitful that is, and obviously um, through uh, stuff like uh, through In Search of Source, um, we've been talking about um, drill a lot. Um, I, I did, well, I think I did one episode, and we were talking about drill and just how uh, how they've kind of you know through the likes of RD and H and uh, and Central C uh, with you know Doja recently. Um, you know, I kind of going through the nostalgia bag um, of just getting samples from two thousands artists and just making tracks off them uh, for better, for better or worse, um, in terms of quality and just in terms of you know the ex- existence of drill music um, in the UK. You know, Diggity as well when we were talking about that album and you know how I was funny enough to loving the variety that he was giving, uh, sampling the likes of Fifty Cent. Um, but, uh, you know, some purists, um, are not into the, this trend. Um, but there's, I feel like a, a, a trend here with the likes of Koji Radical, um, where he, and it may, it, I may be just, you know, being, um, um, too predictive here. Um, it comes, it probably comes off as a prediction more than anything. Um, or maybe it's just a one-off of Koji Radical just delivering, um, what I feel can happen. Um, in the best way but then again referencing sims again she did it as well with not just having the hip-hop essence that she has but also bringing that afrobeat at a time where you know the afrobeat wave has kind of kind of plateaued right it's still there it's gonna be there for a while but it's plateaued nobody's doing it because it's hot so to speak right afrobeat's not hot anymore it's plateaued but it's obviously still there um, in the zeitgeist um, and I feel like Sims did it a very interesting time for stuff like Fear No Man and Point and Kill whereas Koji Randical has done this album in a way that is authentic to him um, you know literally starting off with why I assume is um, an elder to him uh, talking in native tongue and starting off the record with that not just that but coming through with very Curtis Mayfield essence um through uh uh helps if i get the track list off before, before i talk about certain tracks but yeah um but giving overall just a very confident um performance uh for stuff like uh what's the one with the uh masego silk yeah stuff like that push a man right hello very you know <laughs> um but even with that you know payback with nux nux coming through on the 
on kind of like the drill side, bringing that in. Red Free 2, Ego LMA, uh, uh, Shea Universe, who I talked about last week, and Tiana Major 9 on a couple of tracks as well. He's managed to make an album that, in my mind, has ser- can serve as... I don't want to say blueprint, but I can't think of a better phrase, so I guess I'll say blueprint. A blueprint to not just... Because what would you class this, bro? Like, it's not it's not a hip-hop album. Or it's not just a hip-hop album, let's just say that. And, you know, it has the soul elements. Um, it has funk to it as well. Um, I would have loved to see, you know, someone like Friend of Five E, Joel Culpepper on here as well. I feel like um, that would have been an amazing tandem. And they have Tank Team before and other projects. Um, I feel like it would have been perfect to have that, as um, Joel Culpepper is just um, a really great uh, uh, funk and uh, soul musician right now, um, especially with his vocals. But um, the way the Code Radical has come about this album is very interesting to me, that I genuinely, genuinely didn't expect um he would do and maybe that's testament towards him as an artist and how in the times when i look at him in features it always has a variety to it he can do a lot of things and be in a lot of people's work um but he managed to make a very sprawling and a very exploratory work in some ways reaching back as well um like we mentioned with um you know beyonce's renaissance and all that and all that going excuse me, going on, but he's done it in a different fashion, um, that I feel like is probably not as popular, um, of having the, you know, voguing, dance, music, 80s, pop, colour pink, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, right, none of that, um, Ben just blanked all of my voguing skills, crazy. I can see um, it, I got, but... the, I got the peripheral <laughs> vision, you're cutting some shapes over there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to focus on. Um, but yeah, uh, d- kind of steering away from that, but bringing something from the past and having that just that cockiness towards it, having that confidence. And I just feel like this can be a blueprint for somebody else to bring into this lane of the Black British music landscape because I don't feel like while there is a a few um artists that are you know into the hip-hop realm or into the vocalists maybe jazz vocals maybe soul r&b of course uk r&b is on you know on another level uh recent in recent years he's managed to combine a lot of them together and i feel like that can really and I could have mentioned Swindles and New World as well, actually, comparing to this as well. I feel like those, this and that have really served as a blueprint for me personally in my thinking of just like, oh, we can we can do a lot here. There's a lot of artists that can make a, make a niche here and really just make something super different. And uh, especially from the mainstream that we're getting right now, because I look at the charts, bro. And it's a lot of what I was talking about. It's a lot of the, you know, just the taking stuff in the 2000s and that's popping. And it is what it is. They found another formula. And of course, in the mainstream uh, machine, they're going to <laughs> they're gonna ride that till the fucking wheels fall off. But for this, I, f- I see something that, is sus- that can be sustainable um, if there are artists that are willing to step out um, of their realms and reach out to actually you know combine some shit and really make something of it yeah i'm just looking up the uh chart position 
of this. Um, I wonder if it did actually chart on the UK charts. Look, I think, you know, I got heavy Akala vibes off this record um, because, and, and just because of just how willing he was to experiment on here. Um, you know, I think that there's, yeah, there's just so many angles to it. There's so many layers to it. There's so many different sounds that he's exploring. You never know where it's going to go next. And what I really love about that is it like all taps into the narrative. You know, we get the the track with Nux, Payback. Like, you know, that was intense. Then we got Beautiful with Wretch 32. You know, it's just like uh, Rex Life Raj is on here. Um, Tiana Major 9 and Khalees on Talking. Like, there's some incredible, especially the stars, just all over the place. And, you know, there's these themes of obviously uh, what it's like to be black in the UK right now, what it's like to raise a son. Um, you know, I think that that was really interesting, the way that that kind of... It, it, what I got from this wasn't a, like... A, it wasn't like a concept where he was just like, I'm going to start a story here and I'm going to end the story at the end of the album and I'm going to do it the whole way through. It wasn't a it wasn't a T-Pab, it wasn't a Good Kid, Mad City. Um, it was much more like, I'm just going to tell you my experience. I'm going to just put a bunch of songs on the record and I'm just going to rap and, and whatever about what I want, what I'm feeling and what I'm going through and what emerges from not chaos from that, but like just from that, just randomness almost is a really potent, compelling narrative that really, as Charlie said, it gives a good, and I'm not black in the UK, so I have no idea if this gives a good snapshot of what it's like to be black in the UK right now. But it certainly gave me a lot of information about what Koji Radical is going through and what a lot of the people around him are going through. You know, especially when he's talking about some of the things that he's engaged in when he was younger and how difficult he finds it to kind of reconcile those things and how he doesn't want other people to get drawn into those things and how that, you know, manifests in his own consciousness and how he feels that's going to, you know, serve him going forward and how that's going to help him raise his son. And it's just a, it's a fascinating record, man. And, and the, at the at the the core of it is just it's supremely listenable and i think that i would really love for it to to catch on but we know with these kind of records we know with these kind of trends where someone's bringing something unique and new if it doesn't just go number one immediately and just set the charts on fire people are just going to keep reaching back into whatever was successful six months ago and then doing that you know and like I don't see it as being a trend that's going to catch on, which is really sad because I really do want people to start focusing or refo. And the thing about it is, like, there was this trend a couple of years ago, and it even at the start of this year with FKA Tweaks, with uh, her record or whatever project that came out, there was this trend of putting a bunch of different sounds on an album so you could just get put in all the different Spotify playlists. Like, it was a genuine thing. But it seems to have dropped off completely this year. Like, really dropped off. Like, the artists you would be expecting to do it are, like, Post Malone, The Weeknd, um, you know, those kind of artists. They have not done that at all. And I would have thought that Koji Radical's record would be right up that alley because there's so many different sounds. As Charlie said, yeah, it's a hip-hop album, but it's jazz, it's soul. You know, there's so many different elements to it. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, I really enjoyed the project. I really did. Uh, on first listen, it was a bit discordant only because there's so many different sounds. It's going in so many different directions. I kind of felt hard to get like drawn in and like get myself situated in the album. But once the narrative started unfolding, it was the lyrical content that held me the whole time. I was very, very curious to see what Koji Radical was going to say next, what direction he was going to go in and 
as the album progressed, I felt like he was revealing more and more about himself. Like he would reveal enough for me to be like, man, I want to know how this came to be or how you came to this conclusion or why you feel this way. And then two songs later, he'd tell me. And that was just like, it was incredible. It was addictive almost. Like just like learning about him and, and understanding his place in the world. Um, so yeah, man, I, I really enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed this record. No, it's interesting that you mentioned that. Um, I recently interviewed um, <clears throat> I recently interviewed uh, somebody uh, which is uh, dropping on uh, What's Good on Friday. And um, we talked about his album and how uh, varied it was from production and just uh, tone and, you know, what was, and subject matter. And it was interesting that you came, ac- uh, you came to that, uh, con- uh, talking about that um, potential trend, I guess, with that. I feel like, that would be something that people would do for mixtapes, right? I thought that's what mixtapes were going to be, of just people just throwing throwing sounds at a wall, and, you know, if it sticks, it sticks. That's what EPs are. If now. it gets in the playlist. Yeah, if it gets in the playlist, it gets in the playlist. <clears throat> but, you know, some people have done it for their actual, uh, you know, just put uh, thought put into it um, LPs, and... It is interesting uh, thinking about that, and reason, and for the reasons why they do it as well. Um, and on the flip side of that, why people haven't done it. Um, I guess I don't know. People, some people like a consistent, uh, a consistent mood, um, and some people like variety. Um, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> I think, it's very, uh, uh, uh what's the word? Um, bloody hell. Whatever you whatever whatever comes to you, you know what I mean. Just uh, you know, just, <laughs> if if you like it, you like it. You don't, you don't. Um, it's not gonna work every time. Basically, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a risk, I guess. I guess it's a creative risk in some ways, where you know you can. Oh, I could literally just do this forever. But um, he, he, let's make something just you know sprawling. You know what I mean? And uh, Let's, uh, let's spread the love kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, I was, I was, uh, I'm glad you talked about the narrative itself and um, the subject matter as well. That's obviously um, uh, also worthy worthy of um, worthy of praise. Um, but, yeah, I just kind of went it at a very utopian lens and, uh, for, <laughs> and, for, and for what I wanted, uh, for what I want from just the future of um, this landscape, uh, I frequently traffic in. Um, I feel like there's just so much potential here um, in music like this, where you don't have to um, you don't have to go with you know trends, but you can also be ex- you you can be exploratory without and ambitious without being uh, without being you know a trend a trend uh, chaser so to speak. Um, so yeah. I might have to see him live after this now. <laughs> uh, just might. Damn, might have to see him live. Be nice. Um, but yeah, that is it. That is finito. That is contemporary cool volume eight done and dusted. Have you got anything from Lano Ben? Uh, no, my week has not been light, so I don't have. I don't have a light. <laughs> unfortunately, do you have anything? Oh gosh. Um. I mean, like I said, I went out last last night, right? And it was one of those nights that you kind of thought would just be mid. And you just thought you'd be like, you know, go out, do this thing, get something to eat, and then dip. Um, but it just ended up being a really odd but very nice uh, and, and pleasant uh, kind of like chain of events. 
So I was with my boy, and the plan was basically it was just like uh, to see a friend who was um, DJing uh, at a spot. Um, like I said, you know, just you know, rock music, male music, all that stuff. And um, you know, we didn't know many other people that were going, so we thought it would be a very quick affair where we, you know, we show our face, you know, be there for a couple of hours and then dip. Um, but even on the way, uh, we just kept. We just kept uh, bumping into people. <laughs> like we were literally talking about a friend uh, at one point, and like fifteen minutes later, that exact friend that we haven't seen in years just pops up, and he's on the way to he's on his on his way to work, and we're just like, oh shit, we'll walk with you. Let's chat. <laughs> it's, it's just like okay, random. And uh, even when we we're at the event, we assumed nobody else we knew were going to be there, but then like just a bunch of other people came through at some point. It was just like oh, pleasant surprise again, and then. Uh, went back to my boy's house, some food, and uh, his uh, sisters and cousins were there, and we were just like laughing up, just like through the night, um, and just and just uh, and just having just good vibes all around. It was just crazy. It was just crazy how a night I wasn't really that uh, what's the word that into and just looking forward to, so to speak, um, kind of just turned into something actually really fun and really enjoyable. I kind of wish I brought up my camera for uh, for out as well, but it is what it is. Because <laughs> I thought it'd be a short night. Why would I bring my camera? It's gonna be a short night again. Um, but yeah, this is one of those. I guess I really have those kind of nights. You know, what I mean, where it's just like coincidental, like bumping into someone. So, but I've, I even got offered a side quest. How crazy! Like, um, yeah, yeah. Just I even got offered a side quest, and we didn't take it. But, um, but yeah, it's just fun to have those. I guess where, you know, hey, hey, I'm I'm doing this. If you want to come through, I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll think about it. We didn't, but it's fun to just nice. It's nice to have the side quest <laughs> there. That's a rarity. So yeah, it's it was nice. Just just a nice little story, I guess. Yeah, what I um what I remember from my youth was those nights were. It was so funny because on the normal nights, the nights when you went out and didn't have the great nights, you just talked about the great nights, and then like randomly once a month, one of those random great nights would happen and then you'd be talking about it for the next month and then another one would happen. So yeah, it's, it's random. It's, you never know what's going to happen when you're out on a uh, on night and a weekend. Yeah, yeah I even um, I even like I got driven past, I was on the way there, I was walking and uh, 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 one of my, one of my ch- childhood friends just uh, literally was just about to, uh, he was just in his whip and I just saw him at the driver's seat and I just waved it. <laughs> I was just like, "Rob, oh, just seeing everybody today. It's crazy. <laughs> it's good. It's good. But yeah, that's that's interesting. Actually, think when you're thinking about it, it's just how most nights you're just talking about other great nights. It's weird. That's it's what, literally how it is sometimes. That's what we used to do. That's all we used to do. I remember um, I was watching a Chappelle special back before he was a transphobe, or maybe he's always been one. He just didn't 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 tell people about it. And um, he was talking about. Ooh how he doesn't want to smoke weed with anyone but white people because he's like, all white people do is they just talk about all the other times they smoked weed and that's all they, they discuss. And I was like, man, when you drink with white people, that's what we do. We just like, hey, remember that other time we got really drunk and did all this crazy shit? And then you hope mm. that that night that you're talking about will recreate itself, but it never does. And then you just talk about it and kind of manifest some other crazy story that happens at some point. And... Uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's um, it's quite mind numbing, especially when I quit drinking and going back out and talking to people and just being like, "Wait, we we discussed this three nights ago, 
And then like, <laughs> we don't need to discuss it again. And then they just keep talking the same stories. Like, hey, Ben, remember that time you did? I'm like, I know we talked about this four times last week. But yeah, oh, that's, that's, that's the challenge of being sober with drunk people. Yeah, no, literally a friend uh, that we bumped into was just uh, talking about the time that you went to A&E because he drank vape liquid. Um, and it's not the first time he's referenced it, <laughs> but it w- there was someone new in the group, so it was just like, hey, I guess so, fuck it, like, you know. Mm. When in Rome, talk about vape liquid. <laughs> um, but yeah, shout out, shout out to Jordan. Um, but yeah, we can finish there. I mean, it's, it's coming home, it's came home. Shout out to the... Uh, England, uh, England women's uh, winning the Euros. Just watched that. It was a very, very good game. They did what the um, men couldn't do. Very white. Um, <laughs> just something I gleaned. I was just like, this oh, yeah. is a super white squad. Where are the, where are the home girls? Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, that's for another day. Um, but, yeah, man, it's interesting. It's interesting watching just women's football in general, just like, you know, slowly growing, just slowly getting there, slowly getting more popular. Um, but, yeah, man, shout out to them. Shout out for the, for the dub. It's finally come home. And uh, yeah, it's great stuff. Uh, but yeah, we should leave there. From the Fifth End Podcast now. It's been Digging Digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm Charlie Taylor Fifth End. I'll be Ben Carter Fifth Numbers. We hope you have, uh, we both hope you have a good week. We shall always, always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for this show features video games by bonus points. As you chalk music for a bit to use. Socials with Venement, Hip Hop by Numbers. Bonus points and chalk music will be in the full show notes as well as the names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a 5th End Podcast Era production. Thanks for spending time with us. We'll see you next time on Digging in the Digits.